I'm going to ask you to stand with me again as we read. My text this morning is found in 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 33 to 39. I've entitled my sermon, Unusual But Proven, Unusual But Proven. 1 Samuel, chapter 17, reading verse 33 to 39. Saul replied, of course, this is when David was before King Saul, and he was telling him, I'm your man, to take down Goliath. So Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried Off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. That's such an amazing story, isn't it? This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. God, I pray now that you would you would take your word and he would, it would be released so it would touch, so it would minister, so it would heal. Pray, God, for those that are here and they find themselves in a defeated state. God, this morning is their day to find victory. Thank you for the word of God that always inspires and gives us meat for our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I let my mind go a little bit this past week as I read this story. I know this story. You know this story well. And I began to think of this story that, that David was telling King Saul. Quite a story. Why the story? It's because David wants to convince Saul, listen, I want you to know that I am your man. I'm the man to take down Goliath. So what he's doing here is he's qualifying himself. He's building his case. I can imagine that. Can't you imagine getting Saul said, really? So Saul begins to really listen up to what David is saying. It strikes him. You did what? I can hear maybe Saul saying to David, David, you're chasing bears and lions, clubbing them, pulling lambs from their mouths, grabbing them by the hair and killing them. Really, David? Tell me another story. It's almost unbelievable. Could this really have happened? I mean, you read it. I read it. Could this really have taken place? I wonder, could David be making this up? We all meet people that tend to stretch the truth. Oh, we all know people that as they tell the story, it gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter as it goes. And you may, it may come back around to you again from someone else. Say, that's not quite the story they told me. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. 
David, were you doing some sugarcoating here? Did he really kill lions and bears or did the sheep actually manage to escape? And David was hiding in the bushes waiting. And as the sheep escaped, the lions and the bears, he snuck out and grabbed them and took off running back to camp. That would be a story that we could, it's more palatable for us. We could take, digest that a little bit better, couldn't we? That's more believable to us. David, this is an unusually strange and bizarre story. And if David would have been challenged, David would have jumped up and he shortened stature, but he would have jumped up high. He said, it's true. It's really true. It really happened. Believe me, believe me. It's true. I did that. Strange, almost unbelievable stories. You have them. I have them. We all have those unusual stories that we wonder if anybody will ever really believe us. I've got one. I always have these kind of stories. I took this liberty. I wanted to take this liberty to share it with you. Two weeks ago, we went to Alberta, to Hinton, Alberta for a wedding. And I decided I'd get some coffee, my wife and I, in the morning. We dropped into a very, very popular chain, coffee shop. And I'm in line, and there are five people, probably I'm five people back in line. And I could hear the lady behind the counter saying, gotta have a break, gotta have a break, gotta have a break. Over and over, she's saying this. I can hear, everybody can hear people not showing up for work. And and she said, gotta have a break. I said, I gotta have a coffee. I gotta have a coffee. She said, and she said, you'll get served, you'll get served. I'm five people back. I mean, I was kind of joking, but, you know, I mean, you know what it's like? You don't get your coffee. It's just not going to be a good day to get that fixed, 10 o'clock in the morning. So then she starts writing on a piece of paper. Then she puts this piece of paper out in front, back in, 15, back in 15 minutes. Listen, I've always had trouble with that sign. You know why? Well, if I come up to a place and I see back in 15 minutes, what minute is it? Am I minute 13, 12, 11? Please don't ever do that if you're a store owner. Don't ever do that. Say, I'll be back at 2.15. Don't say back in 15 minutes. If I go there at minute one, I got 14 minutes to wait. Never do those things. Anyways, so she puts this sign out. Well, I'm five people back. Oh, don't worry. You'll get served. Okay, okay. So then she, more people come in the line behind me. So she takes the sign. And she takes it to the last guy that's there. He's holding a little baby in his arms. She says, here, hold this sign. Don't let anybody else come in behind you. Well, he looks a little bit, you know, bewildered. And I said, you get a free coffee for that, though. Just joking, you know. So he's holding this sign. Picture this. You don't know anything. You're just standing there. and You got a little baby. You got a sign. Back in 15 minutes. Does that mean he's leaving or what's going on? So he's really gone, but he's not. So people come in. She said, got to have a break. Got to have a break. I'm tired of this already. And people look and see the sign. You know, okay, let's just stay away from this for now. Well, I got my coffee. Got my coffee and I left. But did it actually happen? It was only, listen, it was only 10 o'clock in the morning. She started at 7. Got to have a break. Let's relax. That's what I tell myself sometimes. My wife tells me that all the time. Relax a little bit. Got my coffee, but nobody would ever believe that story. 
But my wife was with me and she can vouch for it. She's my witness. It actually happened. And we all have these kinds of stories that they're bizarre, they're unusual. They, we just wonder if anyone would ever believe us that that would actually take place. David has this kind of a story. He just finished sharing a, a super duper story. Did Saul believe him? Did Saul not believe him? He probably thought, Saul probably thought, well, this young kid's going to get killed going up against Goliath, but at least he tells a good story. He tells a great story. He's got guts. And no one, I don't see anybody else coming forward to try to shut down Blabbermouth. So, so he says, okay, I accept the applicant. David, you're a little far-fetched, the story you told me, but if you want to go up against this big guy, I'll let you go. And then he says, go and God be with you because you're going to need him. And to assist David, he thought, well, I'll throw a little bit of my armor in there. At least he'll be kind of covered like a cage, little David, in this armor. And he'll some, have some sort of defense for a bit. David and Goliath. It's a well-known story. Well-known. I, I remember this as a child growing up in Sunday school. As a child, we sang the story about this story. Only a boy named David. Five little stones he took. One little prayer went up to God. And whenever we got to the, that part, my friend and I would look at each other eye to eye. We knew what was coming next because we had a great ending. One little prayer went up to God and the giant, he fell down and we get as much height as we could and make as much noise as we could. The giant, he fell down and we look at each other and laugh. Oh, I remember the story very, very well. Such an unusual story. Such an unusual way to defeat a giant. But I want you to know what happened just as it's recorded. I want you to know that David's story that he shared was true. He did kill the bear. He did kill the lion. God was with him. The Bible is filled with great victories that were won by such unusual ways. Far-fetched, some would say. Hard to believe, but yes, they actually happened the way they're recorded. Judges chapter 7, we read of Gideon defeating the Midianites. 300 of God's people defeated 135,000 in such a strange and bizarre way. Read about this story when you go home. Great victory. Then there was the release of the Israelites from Egypt. A bizarre way, but released and set free. A bizarre victory. Then it was the parting of the Red Sea. Who would ever believe that story? The wall, the water would actually pile up like walls and they would walk through, but it happened. And then there was the fall of Jericho marching around these walls, blowing trumpets and singing praises. Doesn't make any sense at all. But what a great victory. The walls began to shake and they fell down to the ground. Then there was Moses and his uplifted hands. And as his hands were raised... Then the fight, the children of Israel were fighting their enemies. They were gaining the victory, but when his hands got weak, they started to get defeated. But as his hands were raised to heaven, victory came. And then there was Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Listen, the list goes on and on and on and on of victories that were won in such unusual ways. Over and over in the Bible, we read, of underdogs beating the odds stacked against them. 
Who would have thought the 120 in the upper room? Do you have a chance in going up against sin, going up against the world, going out with the gospel message? There's just a few of you in the upper room. Who would have thought that they would take on their world and there would be such an explosion of the gospel and so many coming to faith in Jesus? Who would have thought? But there they were. The Holy Spirit came along. The Holy Spirit came down. His power, coupled with their willingness, exploded Christianity. And today, out of 7 billion people in our world, 2.2 billion are Christians. And it is growing. People coming to faith in the Lord. In Ecuador alone, 99% are Christian. In Canada, 77.1% are Christian. We have a lot of work to do, but we've come such a long, long way. John Lennon from the Beatles said just before he died, he said, Christianity will end. It will disappear. How wrong he was. Christianity is growing. The gospel message is getting out. Many are coming to faith in Jesus. Just as Dave Lowen, Fellowship of Christian Farmers. Many are, I love that lining up to hear the gospel. Lining up to give their hearts to Christ. The gospel is going forward. Many are committing their lives to Jesus Christ. And his church is growing. Well, the story of the Bible is a story of beating the odds that are stacked against you. About impossibilities becoming possible. It's about victims becoming victors. It's about rising from under circumstances to riding over circumstances. It's about dynamic exploits being accomplished through such unusual methods. I love Daniel chapter 11, 28, where it says he shall do exploits. Go to the NIV and it says it this way. He'll take action against it. I thank God for the church. I thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit that flows through people to go out and do great exploits. That's why I look forward to the singing Christmas tree every year. It's an opportunity to get the gospel out there. It's an opportunity for people to come to hear some songs, but to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Great exploits will happen again this year as the gospel is presented in clear and concise fashion. He shall do exploits. I've been in ministry long enough to see the unusual happen. To see God moved by His Holy Spirit and things have been done that man would say in themselves, it's impossible. But because God was in it, great and mighty victories were won. Because greater, greater is God. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I know that I'm speaking to people this morning that desperately need to beat the odds stacked against you. Maybe you're here this morning and the mountains seem like they're getting higher and higher and you're sinking lower and lower. I want you to know this morning it's time to jump on the brakes. You remember that? I think it was a Flintstones. They're riding that car and they want to get stopped. They put their feet down, smoke and dust, everything coming from their vehicle. And they get that thing to a halt. They're stopping for some reason. Imagine what the bottoms of their feet look like. But they got that thing stopped. It's time to halt. It's time to stop the downward trend. It's time to jump on the brakes. It's time to come to a grinding halt. And then it's time to turn the tides. It's time to take down some giants. 
It's time not just to hold the fort, but to storm the attacker. Oh, David needed to bring down a giant. He could reach in his past and say, here's what I've done. But he'd never faced a giant before in that way. He was smaller. He was weaker. And he knew that he wasn't going to be able to take that giant with what he had within himself. He was not in the same category. He was no match. He was inexperienced in fighting a giant, giant fighting. He didn't have height advantage, didn't have reach advantage. What chance did David have? Now, there's one phrase in my text that I want to present to you this morning that is actually key in David defeating this giant. And if we can just get this, if we can just apply this to our lives, if we can just walk out of the church with this line embedded within us, I believe it'll change the course of our future. It can change the circumstances that we find ourselves in. They don't always change circumstances, but it changes our attitude towards this. Change your attitude. Change your focus. Change your thought life. It'll change your life. Here's what David said in verse 38. I cannot. I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. In other words, if you go to the King James, it says this, I have not proven your armor. I can't go with this stuff, this newfangled stuff. I can't go with it. I have not been in them. I have not proven this at all. Oh, it seems so right, though, doesn't it? It seems so normal. But I've just got to go with what I know works. Times are changing. Products are changing. The world is changing. Methods are changing. People are changing. Everything's changing. But the older I get, the more I find myself going with what works and with what has been proven. So I went into my garage and I found these trusty little vice grips and they're just vice grips to you. But to me, they hold meaning. I've had these for 25 years. Well used. But I find myself going back to my toolbox over and over again. Where's my trusty little vice grips? And when others fail, this thing always comes through. Now, let me take you back. I got to take you back now 40 years. That long ago? I know you think 40. He only looks to be 40. Thank you for those comments. Free pen for you. Here it is. Just for you. I go back to this. Every time I pull this out of my toolbox, it means something. Just look at the shape of this. It is so different. In 1970, early 70s, I went to Uncle Alvin and I said, Uncle Alvin, I'm trying to get a bolt off a car and I can't reach it. Nothing works. Can you take this wrench? Can you shape it and mold it so I can use it? He took this wrench in the early 70s and he heated it up right here and he formed it and molded it. Now he said, take this back. It'll work. Every time... I use as I think of my Uncle Alvin. And many times I go back to that. This is proven. This is trusted. And I still use this all the time. All the time. My favorite line to Lana is this at my age. Don't throw it out. It's proven. There's a track record. Last two weeks ago, I built a hundred foot fence to hide all my, hide all my provens behind. Nobody can see it. 
You know, six, I think six feet is the height limit, but I put this much of a gap at the bottom. I don't want no one to see my stuff. Only God can look down and see it all. Here's my provence. We all have our provence. You know those trusty, crusty slippers? The provence. I like my old slippers. Give me my old slippers. I don't want those new slippers. They don't fit my feet like the old ones do. I like them better. And then we got our favorite coffee. I got my favorite coffee mug too. And our worn out shoes, our favorite beat up lawn chair. It looks hideous, but we sit in it. I love it. It fits, you know, back here very well. And how about our holy socks? They're holy. We love them. Our old leather coat. That old lawnmower. That old truck. Oh, it's faithful. Faithful. Works great. Don't mess with it. Right? If it works, don't mess with it. I've had a 1985 Dodge Halfton. I had it for 19 years. Just got rid of it two years ago, and I miss it sorely. But anyways, someone asked me, when's the last time you changed the oil? I said, I never. I had it 19 years. Never changed the oil. Why? Doesn't need it. If it works well, don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. It works great. When you mess with it, you got trouble. 19 years. Oh, I'd love to have it back, but it's gone. Well, and I'll tell you, in 1985, my wife and I went on vacation. We're going to go to California. But just before we go on vacation, we got a 1991 Datsun 200SX. Yeah, I like that car. I took it in for... Oil change. So he says, you know something? A little maintenance item here. Maybe we should just change that rear seal in the rear end. Okay. I think it was $8 for the part and 10 bucks for labor. I don't know. Okay. So after we get that change, we're getting ready to go on vacation. This is not wise to do these things before vacation. Now I do them a month ahead before I go on vacation. You want the car fixed? Do it. Change your oil. Not the day before you go on vacation. Do it a week or two ahead because you might get an oil leak. It'll slow you down. So, I go to Dauphin after this, to my wife's parents. I go 100 and, I think it was 50 kilometers from Esterhazy. By the time I get there, my rear end is just singing. Zzz, louder, louder. You could fry an egg on the rear end by the time I got there. It was so hot. I went to the local grad. What's wrong? Well, it's just fried. What do you mean it's fried? The bearings are fried. Fried? What do you mean Fried. The guy, when he put the rear seal on, he put it on with an impact wrench. It's supposed to be torqued to so many foot-pounds. He just gave her. What they call that is a preload on the bearings, which causes pressure, which is not good. I had to go back to him and tell him, uh, you ruined my rear end. Huh? I just put on an impact wrench. Uh, I'm told it wasn't a good idea. Well, $860 later. Had to get another rear end flown in from... This is a long story, isn't it? I'll get back to it. Uh, from Vancouver. You know what? You interested? Anyways, we're a week late, but we managed to go on vacation by the time it was over. Our vacation. What I'm saying is don't mess with stuff that's working. Long story to get to a point. It ain't broke. Don't mess with it. Just use it. David, see, David had his provence. And he said, you know, this trusty little slingshot, this is proven. It works fine just the way it is. 
It's never failed me. I don't need an electric one. Just give me this manual one. I know this thing can do it. It'll do it. The Bible says the Benjaminites in Judges 20, verse 16, could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Wow. That's the same for David. He could pick off a fly at 100 yards with his trusty little sling. He knew that this thing worked. I don't need your armor. I don't need that stuff. I'm going to go with what's proven. You know the rest of the story. David lays the giant to rest and one stone to the forehead. And David then does the victory dance on top of the giant's body. He's triumphant in such an unusual and bizarre way. He just went with what was proved. What has been proven? See, sometimes our mounting problems stun us. Sometimes our painful circumstances cause us to run for new methods and ways to deal with the pain that we find ourselves in. I've got to find a solution. We run, 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 run. What's the newest gadget? What's the newest drug? What's the newest methods? Sometimes our taunting giants cause our memories to fade. I have that problem. We all have the problem. Our memories become blurred and covered. We're going through pains. And we forget those provens. George Ewald, my Bible college teacher in 1978, when I took my yearbook to him, he wrote this over my face. He said this. Don't doubt in the dark. What God has shown you in the light. I've never Don't ever doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. And I've been through to some dark areas. You've been to some dark areas, but I'm grateful I can look back and say I've been through them as well. But sometimes we get doubting when it's dark and bleak and difficult and we forget the provenance. The darkness that sometimes blinds us. You see, it, it doesn't in the natural make any sense to get down upon your knees and pray. Pray your way through some problems. It seems so unusual. Why would I get down upon my knees and pray when I can run, I can jump, I can worry, I can get antsy, I can grow here, I can go. Why would I stop and pray? Because it has been proven. That's why you do it. It's been proven. And sometimes you've got to take yourself and and force yourself to your knees. Take yourself and force yourself to lie on your face before God and say, God, I'm crying out to you because I've got problems. I've got issues. I've got circumstances. And I'm going to pray. I don't feel like it. It seems unusual. It doesn't seem like the right way to do it. But it has been proven over and over and over again. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray some more. I'm going to not give up. Even though myself says it's unusual, it doesn't seem right. Keep praying. Go with what works. And you know that you've proved that in the past. When you've called upon God, He came through. You've proved it. It makes no sense at times to be still. And know that He is God. It makes no sense to rest in the arms of God. It makes no sense to have faith in God right now because it just doesn't make sense. 
Oh, God has a good track record. He's proven. Has He not proven Himself to you in the past? Has He not come through for you in the past? You may say this morning, I haven't read the Bible for such a long time. I can't seem to find the time. I got too much time to worry. No time to read the Bible, but lots of time to worry and fret and fear. Take yourself. Make yourself. Apply yourself. Discipline yourself. Open up the Bible and begin to read its pages. Begin to read the words. Have you not proved in the past that it's been meat for your soul and nourishment to your mind? Go with what works. You may say this morning, but I don't feel worthy for God to love me right now. I don't feel worthy for God to fight for me right now because of the way I've been living and what I've been doing. It has not been God honoring and I haven't really had a good past couple of years. Can I tell you, God has an unusual love for you. He's got an unusual amount of love that He wants to lavish upon you. Accept the unusual. Let Him hold on to your hands and Bring you through the battle. You may say, but it makes no sense while in the midst of my battle to sit and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. That is so bizarre, isn't it? You gotta, Jesus says to the disciples, you've you got a world to win. Now I want you to go sit and wait. What do you want? Just go sit and wait. Just go sit and wait. Wait for the power. Wait. For his anointing. I, I struggle like you do. I, I, I run, 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 drop to bed at night and go to sleep. I got two acres. I got deer to chase out of the yard. I got, I got weeds to try and get rid of. Oh, I'm tired already thinking about it. We all got stuff to do. Run, 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 run. Right, Lana? She tells me, Gary, 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 Gary. So, 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 so down. My nature is, and this is an issue. That's my nature, right? Oh, I'll preach to myself. We're all like that, aren't we? Just being honest with you. We run, run, run. Go, go, go. We get issues, we still run, run, run. Go, go, go. God says, just stop. Just stop. Just stop. Get down upon your knees. It's proven. Just stop. Go wait somewhere. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, and God looks up. Sometimes look, I think that God looks down at us like we look down at an ant's hill. Do you ever do this? Do an ant's hill and watch? They're so confused. I mean, I watched one ant one time. He didn't know where he was going. He had stuff in his mouth, and I just wide trailed him. He's just going in circles. I said, God, sometimes you look at us, and we're doing the same thing. Look down, and we're just run, run, run. Stop. Do you know what a frog does when he's in danger? Stops. It plays dead. I found this out last week. This, This frog hopped. Man, it was a big one. Hop from here to here, and the dog went after it. 
snark, you know. And I, you, know, you think it was dead? I watched it. It waited till we were gone. Someone's phone, get that. It might be for me. <laughs> I watched. Tell him I'll call him back. Uh, when I get time, I'm busy right now. I watched this. Sorry, too much coffee. I watched this frog. You know what it did when we were gone? It played dead, didn't move. And when we were, then it moved away afterwards. I don't know why I'm telling you that. Anyways, stop. Just stop. We all just need to stop. Especially in summertime when it's so busy, isn't it? Some of you here this morning know exactly what I'm talking about. Stop, drop, and pray. Stop, drop, and let the power of God fill you so you can get up and move on and do what God wants you to do. Now, let me take you to a book of Exodus, chapter 17. I made mention earlier of Aaron, Moses and Aaron Ur. And I want to read to you this account, and then I'm done. This account, chapter 17, verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. I read this this morning before the service, and I thought, they could have brought stones out and put them under both arms, but they didn't. They had a stone for him to sit on while people came alongside of them and helped raise his hands. The family, the family, coming alongside, lifting someone up. So Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Stand with me. I wonder how many here today need an Aaron and a Hur to hold up your hands? How many might be here and you need some family members to gather around you to help you through it. That's what family's about. How many need God to prove himself? And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. We're all in this boat together. We're all trying to learn how to paddle. We all get caught streams. Sometimes you paddle fast, but we're going the wrong way. We get caught in the current. And God, I thank you that we can pause for a moment. For some, they know exactly what I'm talking about because they didn't even want to come to church this morning because they got too much to do. But there's some issues they're trying to get through. And what you're saying to them is go back to what you know. Start over from where you began. 
allow me to show myself to you again. Grab a hold of the power. That's why you gave us the Holy Spirit. To be our comforter, to be our guide, to be our strength. To be the power when we don't, when we don't have any power. And David was smart enough to say, I'm going with what's been proved. May we also have the same kind of smarts. Thank you, Lord, for the word that is so encouraging to us. That we can rise above. We can make it. We can make it. We can make it. As we hang on to you. Tristan's going to lead us in a song in conclusion. If you need someone to surround you, Lift your knee up before the Lord. Would you just make your way out, step into the aisle from the balcony, just to make your way down the stairs and come to the front. Prayer teams, I want you to come. Be the first ones to come. Be ready to receive people. Because we want to get you through so that you can triumph over your circumstances and not fall under them. Justice and grace become.
God, I thank you this morning for this, these moments that we've had to be together. I thank you for the powerful way in which you speak to us. But speak to us, you do. And we know that. I pray, God, for those that have issues, circumstances, challenges. And you're saying to them, this week, along with the other things you must do, plan in some time to stop, read the Bible, and to pray, and to wait for the Holy Spirit. Said to the disciples, wait till the power comes in before you go out. We gotta wait before we can ever hope to accomplish anything. So thank you for the promise of your word. Give us, Lord, a victorious week. We ask it in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Still like to receive ministry, just feel free to come.